And good morning, Newburn, everybody, on this kind of cold, starting to freeze rain a little bit day, but I hope you are listening out there and you're nice and warm. This is City Talk Live with Lee and Sabrina coming to you on 94.1. WNBU. Yeah, and it's Friday. WNBU. Yeah, well, I hear you. It's no Friday. No school in Craven County, that blizzard. Yeah, no school in Craven County, so you're probably home listening um, uh, you know, to the radio. If not, get online because you can listen to us live What else there. would they be doing? Of course they're listening <laughs> to the radio. Uh, go to, to www.tv. TalkNewBurn.net. We're on Facebook. Talk about it on Facebook at TalkNewBurn. Tweeting at TalkNewBurn. And look, we want you in the conversation today because we're going to have a great show. What's that phone number? Well, you can call us at 252-633-4243 or you can email us, citytalk at TalkNewBurn.net. And we're happy to answer your questions and talk about things. But Lee, um, you know, I, I went and had a really good time last night at the Chamber Banquet. It was the annual Chamber Banquet. Our Chamber, whether you know it or not, is 117 years old. Okay? Doesn't look a day over 80. It doesn't. And I'm going to tell you what a great, great night it was. Last night, we celebrated the past year of Greg Smith being the... Love Greg Smith. ...being the chairman of the Chamber. And let me tell you something. He just... He speaks from the heart. He is the hardest working person. And I tell you, it's an honor to be his friend. And he did an awesome job this Coincidentally, past year. today is Hug Greg Smith Day. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you're going in to get your snow shovel, go down to Mitchell's Hardware and and, and, and hug Greg. But Just me, sneak up on but him and hug him. Let me tell you something else. It, I got to witness history, Newburn history last night. Really? In that... Um, the gavel was turned over to the new chair of the chamber, and that was Theresa Lee. She is the first African American ever be, ever to be the chair of the chamber in 117 years, and that's history in Newburn. And I was very proud to witness it. I'm again proud to be her friend, and she will do great things. And I really, you know, we've been seeing a lot of articles about <clears throat> our city. And racism and the the people not working together. Really, you want to bring but, that up? But let me tell you something. Yeah, because well, you're you're getting in the corner. You're getting no. time out for that one. But anyway, I hear um, nothing. You know, I thought nothing. It was a historic. I had nothing. <laughs> it was a historical moment for our city. My letter was historical, or Theresa uh, Lee. Well, your letter was. We'll talk about that later. But anyway, uh, I was really Is glad the to woodshed? be there last night. Hey, and did the city employees wait. come last night? No, but we'll talk about that later too. But I really wanted to just. A shout out to Theresa Lee because this is a great lady. She's a great woman with great leadership skills, and she's ready to to lead our business community. And I hope one day lead our city because she's a great, great lady. So uh, kudos to her, and, and we need to hug hug Theresa Lee Day. So, is is it know. really hug Theresa yeah. Lee? All right, so do not hug Bobby Astor today. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> he, Chief he Astor told says, me to tell you to quit saying that now. <laughs> well, Bobby, you know you love it. I know you're listening right now, and I know Chief Astor loves it, but there's not enough hugs to go around. Go get Greg and Mitchell's Hardware and Theresa Lee because right. this is a historic day. Right, but yeah, we will talk. You know, the city was represented there last night. Uh, the taxpayers paid for a, uh, a, a table, which... I don't, I don't have a problem with the city supporting. I have no problem with that as long as all the aldermen don't sit at one table. And they did. You know, what? I thought it was kind of... That's crazy. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It kind of ruffled me a little bit because here was... Um, 
you know, our tax dollars in, in view in front of us. Yeah, it is. All all of them, which, hey, kudos to them, all seven of them, the six aldermen, the mayor, and the deputy city clerk. Veronica Maddox. Yeah, no, she is the city clerk. Oh, she wasn't there? The first she, African-American said, female city clerk was not right, there. That's right, at this historic moment, no, because she's been, I'm sent, shocked. she's been sent out to pasture. But, you know, they were there. I, I My strongest feeling would have been for the city of New Bern to by that table. I don't have a problem with that. But where were the department heads? Why were they not invited? These are the people that work with the business community every day. The, the John Wrens, the um, Jeff Ruggieri's, the Chief Boyd. These are the people, uh, Thurman Hardison. Thurman, they're, I saw him on the street. You know, they're out there working. That would have been great to see a table of city employees sitting there. It would have been awesome. We'll get back to that in our second half. We will. Who's here today with us? Well, we've got a great show today. We have Sheriff Jerry Minette, and we're going to be talking about this episode epidemic of drugs in our community and I think it's kind of out of control and there's no, nothing more important than our young people so everybody it's cold outside we need a lot of coffee today I want you to get a great cup of coffee we're going to come back we're going to be talking Craven County we're going to be talking drugs and then we're going to be talking city of Newburn so you're going to need a lot of coffee today so get a cup of coffee and we'll be oh we're, we'll be keep, right back or we're look, gonna keep and it going is a defense what? is a defense attorney um, and I see this drugs. I see what it's ruining, ruining people's lives. Uh, I can't wait to talk to uh, Sheriff Monette about this. He's going to provide us insight on that. Best defense as a defense attorney is a good offense. We're going to be talking offense against right. drugs. Right. So everybody uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. And we keep you rolling right here on City Talk. Well, that wasn't the keep you rolling song, but I, I like that anyway. Denny Booker, we love you. We City Talk Denny. WMBU. Uh, 94.1. Uh, if you want to call in today, 633-4243. We're here with Sheriff, elected Sheriff Jerry Monette of Craven County. And say good morning. Tell everybody who you are. Good morning. Glad to be with you today. And Lee, and uh, certainly a wonderful time. And a lot of energy in here. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> I, I'm Lee, feeling, go ahead. Uh, share. Tell the truth. Yeah. You, told, you told me this morning I drink too much coffee. You said I needed decaf. I, I, I had, can't believe you would say something like decaf. that. <laughs> I had some decaf, but I, obviously that wasn't the case for everybody <laughs> Thank God. Glad to be with you today. I'll describe what Jerry's doing. He's backing slowly away towards the door. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) No, it's all good. Hey, look, um, you've been a sheriff now for, what, almost 30 years? years? Well, 21 years as sheriff and uh, 31 years career. And, uh, you know, come up through the ranks and then uh, elected in 94. So uh, 21 years as sheriff. I'm in my sixth term. And 31 years in law enforcement. Yes, yes. All right. And the the thing thing that the – that brings you here today is um, I don't know if you see it or if I see it or but as I'm a criminal defense attorney yes. I, every week I see two or three parents sitting in my office talking about um, what are we gonna do with my daughter what are we gonna do with my son they come from good families you know we, we didn't teach them we didn't we taught them well they're good people they got good grades their lives are being devastated by drugs absolutely addiction is a problem that uh, knows no social status. Uh, it can affect anyone, anybody, any family. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful that, uh, that they have an opportunity to try to do something to help that person because they're still here. I have been in uh, situations where I've had parents come into residences where their loved one had, uh, had passed away as a result of a drug overdose. And uh, that is one of the most helpless feelings that you could ever have in your life because you sit there and you look at the pain that, at, at, on their faces and... Uh, you see them holding each other and gripping each other, and you know there's uh, that it's too late for that uh, that young man or that young woman because uh, they've lost their lives, 
as a result of a drug addiction that had gotten out of control. So it's wonderful that, uh, you know, even if somebody has an experience with the court system, that that's a starting point that uh, that person can work to turn their life around, and they need support. And unfortunately, many times people that uh, get uh, so seriously caught up in these opiate addictions uh, usually burn so many bridges with their families and their loved ones that they that at some point in time they just say, you know what, I've had enough. I'm giving up. You know, I'm not going to take and go through this anymore. And they've lost all trust and faith in, in, in that person. And so certainly there are a lot of times out there by themselves. Uh, I've worked situations where we've gone in and done searches, and uh, we've looked for people that we have warrants for, and I've actually found them hiding in closets or showers. And uh, I remember one particular case uh, you know, we're, we're looking hard for this uh, for this young lady, and uh, and really, a lot of times, we, you know, we know we have to get them and take them into custody because they're in such a downward spiral that uh, we know that if we don't get them, that uh, it's certainly they 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 it may end up in a, in a death situation. Uh, so. uh, uh, let me ask you: um, Am I wrong, or have have has there been an increase in the use? Uh, and abuse and addiction to these uh, opiate pills over the last five, six years? Absolutely. The opiates uh, are, are such that we have seen a lot of pill diversion in the past, and uh, pills were being resold for a dollar per milligram. So uh, if you had an Oxycontin, you had a 20-milligram tablet that would sell for $20 on the street. 40 milligrams would be $40. And, of course, they discontinued the 80-milligram tablets. You know, and, and certainly medication is a wonderful thing if it's used for the right thing. But anytime uh, it's abused, you know, and uh, that cycle starts, then certainly that's when the, when the problems start to arise, you know. But now we've seen uh, a, a switch, and it's across the country, uh, to heroin. And, uh, you know, back in the, uh, in the 70s, uh, we saw, a, you know, a, a surge of heroin use, and then it kind of faded away. And now we're seeing it uh, it's very, very prevalent, and a lot of trafficking going on, and we're seeing uh, a lot more overdose cases now. A lot of deaths around the state. I, I think stats said somewhere like 19, over 19,000 deaths last year in the United States alone But the uh, heroin, heroin now is, is it in, they, they snort it, they don't shoot it up like they used well, to. I mean, back in my day, you know, you were, that was like the end all be, end all like of a drug addict was, you know, shooting oh, up oh, the oh, heroin. Oh, yeah. But I understand today it's, well, it's, it's easier because they don't, these kids yeah. don't want to shoot up. They <laughs> can't, they can't snort it, but we, we still see a lot of intravenous use and evidence okay. of that. And, and so certainly, you know, when that happens and you've got uh, all kinds of, of issues with disease and things of that nature, HIV, it's prevalent out there. And certainly when somebody is uh, on the influence of a narcotic, then, uh, Quite often, they don't take the right precautions that they should be taking, and then you have all the other issues uh, that, that go along with that. And uh, far as uh, you know, uh, uh, promiscuous activity, you know, by individuals, and uh, certainly you have issues there with uh, with disease issues if people are not careful what's going on. A common scenario that I see: two common scenarios. One is you have someone without health insurance; they get injured on the job. Um, they go on workers' comp, you know, if you fall off a scaffolding, you get injured on the job, you, they can't afford surgery because workers' comp's not going to pay for that. So they start giving them uh, pain pills, workers' comp money runs out. And so now you've got someone who can't get surgery, um, hooked on opioids, so they go on the street. The other common one that I see is that kids, like back in our day, I remember this was the worst, you know, one of the worst things I ever did. I snagged a bottle of wine, and me and my friend went out in the and. Uh, red wine, by the way, and we went out in the woods and we drank it. Now kids appear to be going into their parents' medical medicine yes. cabinets and, and grabbing legitimately pills. prescribed medicines. Absolutely. Uh, I, I see uh, elderly people who actually have to sleep and, and with, their, with their medication 
close to their chest. You know, they sleep with it in the in the bed with them because they you know they have uh, teenage kids that uh, that sometimes are addicted, and they actually had to protect that medicine. Sometimes a lot of them will get locked boxes and keep the medication locked up, which is important. And really, people should do that anyhow. If they have narcotic drugs in their home. Uh, somebody's going to have access to know they're in there at some point in time, and uh, they, those things need to be locked up in it, a secure it, area. It, it's amazing. There's a network. It's 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 this network of people who have almost telepathy when it comes to pills. They know who has prescriptions, and and I hear it. I heard it again yesterday. This uh, girl came in. Can't give your name, but she's like, I had I had my uh, my my pills in my house because of fibromyalgia. She goes, I don't take them anymore, but. People seem to know they'd break into her house. Absolutely, absolutely. If they're there, and, and of course, uh, people actually, they believe it or not, if they go in your house and they use your restroom, uh, more than likely they're going to be looking in your medicine cabinet. And, well, you know, that you know, that's really, I had the yeah, same experience, yeah. and this is probably maybe 15 years ago, a young lady that was somewhat babysitting for mm. me or whatever, and, um, you know, a couple of years went by, and she came to visit me, and she said she needed to confess to me something, and... I said, what? And she said, you know, I was going, I'm going in your medicine cabinet and taking your pills. I said, how could that be? Mm. I mean, the pills were lined up. I went there, but I never shook the bottles and the bottles were empty. Never, never went to see if there was anything in them. And she was just coming in and emptying the bottles, but leaving them in place. And, you know, I would never go to them. They were just there. And I, I found that really interesting that you're right. She would go to the bathroom. She would do something like that. And just go in there, and you know it's it's such an easy thing, and you don't think of stuff like that. Yeah, I think that we've got to work to change the mindset. You know what I mean? Because uh, you know when when a, a drug is no longer needed, and certainly they're powerful and they work, uh, you know, wonders for people that have health issues. Then uh, you know there are places that you can drop those things off at and uh, and dispose of them. And we have a drop box out at our facility out there, and we take them and. Uh, you know, twice a year we try to do a roundup at the different places. Of course, the city does it as well. And you would not believe, I'm talking about 55-gallon cans full of uh I know, wish there was a regular drugs, place. I know. wish there was a place that like, you could go at any day and any time and drop them off. Because I know yeah. I've had a bag of sitting there for whatever. And a I bag of what? You know, old expired, <laughs> old, old old meds, expired yeah. medications oh, yeah, yeah. that... You know, I either miss the date that it's in town or whatever, and, um, you know, I just wish there was a drop-off, like, location that you could go to at yeah, any time there, or a positive. There are some. Well, we've got, we've got one in our lobby out there, and I think there's a couple around town, but, you know, the key to it is the inf- getting the information out there, letting people know about right. it, because really and truthfully, they don't want to keep them hanging around. They want to get that stuff out of there. And, but that, that uh, pickup we do twice a year, well, you cannot believe the amount of, of stuff that we, uh, we have come into us. Unbelievable. And do you, do you burn it? I'm just uh, Yeah, we okay. incinerate it. And, uh, you know, don't don't put it back into the uh, water supply. A lot of people will flush, you know, oh, uh, know, medication, and that's not the appropriate thing to do because, you know, it goes back in, uh, to a water source and that's uh, chemicals in there. And just I was guilty that. of that. I yeah. flushed mine after my hip surgery. But, but, but Sheriff, tell, tell me, really, what are we lacking in, in our county, in our, our municipality, whatever, to – to deal with this issue because it's becoming epidemic. And it you're is. right, my heart is breaking. You know, the last two deaths of young people, I, I knew them, I yes. knew their families. And it, it's heartbreaking to think that these young people are gone, you know, basically good kids and just kind of, they party a little bit yep. too much yep. and it caught up with them. And, you know, our kids think they're invincible yes. and that, oh, it, it happens to, the, to somebody else. It's not going to happen to me. But, you know, are we trying to, educate these kids what are we really doing that's my concern we're just hearing about it but what are we i don't hear about what's being done to try to counteract this you know uh, we've worked hard and and uh, as as a community and as a whole you know we talk about uh 
driving impaired and get behind the wheel of a, of a vehicle, you know, we, we, we push that out to these kids. Hey, this is not the thing to do, not the thing to do. Right. We've got to do the same thing with uh, drug use. And uh, the heroin that uh, is mixed now, that a lot of times they're mixing it with certain agents. Uh, fentanyl is one of them, and that's a That's drug. what killed all those yeah. kids up in Pamlico. A- a- absolutely. And what it is, the, 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 the uh, clarity, the drug, the purity of the drug is so strong that uh, these kids, you know, they take this one time, they, they think it's a socially acceptable thing to do, and then boom, yeah. you know, they, they that's the end of it. You know, it's over with, and it's just, it's tragic. And when you start seeing a, a number of people, and, and these numbers start adding up, and they're adding up across the country, it's time for us to do something about it. Now, we're working hard on the enforcement, but anytime there's demand for something, other, and you all well know, you know, marketing is what it is, even at some of our local retail stores, if there's a demand for something other, there's going to be somebody out there to supply it and try to make money off of it. And they do not care about the health and welfare of these individual people out there that are, that are partaking of these drugs. They don't care. All they're about is a dollar. And so we work hard on trying to take and investigate those cases. Uh, we've been blessed to be able to form a partnership with the city and uh, uh, our drug uh, task force, or narcotics task force, uh, which is uh, made up of four officers from Newburn, four from the county, and we named it the Coastal Narcotics Enforcement Team. Awesome. And uh, what we did was allow all of the other participating uh, law enforcement agencies in our county and then the tri-county area of Pamico and Carter, and we also have bought uh, Jones County in as well. So we have a partnership there, and we work together to try to prosecute these cases. The best way to prosecute them is certainly through a federal prosecution and certainly with the weights that are there, you know, and it, it, it takes a period of time. It's very complex to put these cases together, and Lee knows, you know, all too well about how these things go. And then we try to make an arrest, and on federal arrest, there's no bond. They go right straight to jail, and we take them out of circulation, and, you know, we're able to move on to, a, you know, another violator. On the state charges, many times, these folks will make a bond. They'll be out uh, of the facility and back to work selling narcotics before the, the ink is dry, you know, and that's well, the hard part. What's the difference part. between the state and the federal? To me, you're trafficking drugs. <laughs> trafficking, <laughs> here, here's the deal. You have possession with intent to sell and distribute. You have the sales, um, and then you have... In North Carolina, you have these trafficking statutes that are specific. Uh, they they enhance all the penalties. So if you're charged as a drug trafficker in North Carolina, let's say it's uh, I think opioids, it's over four grams, mm. and then four to twelve, twelve to whatever, and then the, the the highest level. But you have enhanced penalties for for trafficking. And I'll I'll tell you what. The trafficking statutes were enacted to get rid of your big-time drug dealers who are selling lots of weight. I've seen it applied to first-time offenders who, you know, they'll go out not thinking much of it. They'll sell, you know, 15, 20 of their pills to make a little extra money because they don't have, and then they get busted for trafficking. And you know what? They have trafficking weight. It makes me sad. You have trafficking weight, mandatory jail time. And one of the reasons I want to come on here and talk about this is I don't like that. However, I don't like having to see people have their lives ruined. You did what you did, and if we can, if we can get out there and say, "Hey, guys, if you're, if, or parents, or grandparents, yes. or if you happen to be taking these pills, it's not ever okay. It's not like in the old days where your mom gives you a couple of her aspirins or a couple of whatever because you can't switch pills out anymore. It's against the law. You can't sell. You can't sell pills. Oh, I need to have rent. Somebody will give me a lot of money for these things." 
That's, that's right. That's right. These yeah. are real penalties. People are lining are, are lining our where, jails but, with these. But where is this coming from? Are we, are, you know, are people coming from big cities down here? Are they coming no. from other places? No. These are just local people that are getting their hands on these drugs. Well, they, they these are local folks and local dealers, and uh, but they're bringing their their drugs in, and we're we're seeing a lot come in from uh, the Baltimore, Maryland area. Pills, uh, really? Uh, no, heroin. Oh, uh, heroin. In New Jersey area. Now, pills. Uh, you know, uh, many times they come. <laughs> they come straight from, uh, you know, uh, legitimate sources. Many times these pills do, and that's the that's the tough part of it. And and although there's been a lot of scrutiny now on on uh, uh, prescription diversions, you know what I mean, and and we've tightened down a lot on those uh, those issues. That's I believe helped push a motivation toward. Uh, the cheaper drug of heroin and the use of heroin and where we're seeing a lot of these problems come from. But, you know, talked about state charges, you know, until you're found guilty, you're considered innocent. And so many times these traffickers are allowed to get a bond and they'll get out of jail and then we'll end up arresting them again. And I'm telling you, we will, we, I have seen it, I can tell you without exception, four or five arrests before we can actually ever get some jail time on these individuals. First, sometimes it's probation, then it's intensive probation, and then it's finally, uh, you know, maybe some incarceration out of it. The mandatory penalties are jail time, but it takes so long to get that through a court system. Yeah. And, and, and no, no criticism of the court system, even though there's, there's issues there. But when a case is continuing and continuing and continuing, right. then it drags out. And that individual is out there selling... Uh, narcotics because they're not in jail. I believe that uh, these serious drug charges, there should be no bond, just like the federal courts. You're in jail and you're going to stay there until you go to trial, and that's the way it should be. We have had cases where we've actually had people going in with wires and, uh, you know, undercover and right. wearing uh, a device, and the, the dealers would be bragging in there about how, you know, you could, we'd have it on tape, you know, how dumb we are and, you know, how ignorant we are because they're out there and they're right back in business again. And we, you know, we got them yeah, talking about that. Yeah, because I was going to say here, you're arresting. Didn't the, uh, did I read in the paper 11 were just arrested? Did you just uh, yeah, yeah, arrest yes, 11 people? Yes. So, you know, I thought, okay, here's 11 off the street, but what do they do? Just replace them with 11 more? Is that what it is? Absolutely. As long as there's, uh, like I said, demand for it, you're going to have people that are out there, uh, one, stealing to feed their habit. And when you start talking about the numbers, uh, you know, when it, the, the dollars and how they add up, what it costs a person to feed a a narcotics habit in a week's time. The numbers are just astronomical. And so you'll see people that go out and, uh, you know, shoplift. You know, they'll steal uh, items and go out and trade these things off for, you know, for cash or for, you know, narcotics. And then you'll see the break-ins occur. Well, is know? that maybe why we've seen a little bump up in the crime, too? Because, yeah, you know, we, yeah. it seems like there's been a bump up in the crime. You know, people will argue about the statistics compared to this year, that year. But it, it seems like we're hearing more about... It is. Well, the, the property crimes are increasing. Right. The, the, the uh, violent crimes, you know, have kind of leveled off and... and, and the numbers have been good the last couple of years, but I believe it's because of we're incarcerating those violent individuals. That seems to be where the focus is at. You know, anybody that does a crime of violence, hey, we're putting all our effort and energies on making sure we get them off the street and keep them off for a while. But the property crimes we do see increase, and uh, these can be anything from, uh, you know, uh, minor break-ins or, or, you know, right on up to the major stuff. Well, this is, might be a hard-hitting question, but, but if you could pinpoint an area where the majority of your arrests come from of these people who are, are dealing the drugs? Are they in one area? Are they coming from Pamuk? Are they coming from our, our um, you know, public housing? Where do you think, you know, is that it, it, these concentrations? No, uh, you know, there, there's really no social uh, 
a status that's established there for the use. I mean, it could be somebody from, you know, from a prominent area. I'm talking about the people, area. the dealers, the people that yeah. are bringing yeah, them yeah, in. Let me, yeah, just, yeah, let me yeah. just dispel a myth about, about these dealers. They're, you know, your traditional drug dealers, Scarface, you know, hey, Montoya, <laughs> the <laughs> traditional drug dealers, um, you're going to have them. We're not going to, you know, there's nothing you can do. They're organized at it. They're good at it. The, the new brand of dealer the new brand of dealer is a single mother, is a grandmother, is somebody who gets legitimate prescription pills, and they are our new dealer, and they do it out in the suburbs. I want to know about this heroin. They, this is what's killing these kids. It's I know they start on the pills, but the thing is, they now they don't have the money to buy the pills because they're so expensive. They're buying the heroin, and that's what yeah. is killing these yeah. kids. It's a, it's a network there, and yeah, and that's the yeah, traditional yeah, dealer yeah, gets that. Yeah, they're very organized and. Uh, and, and they're they're crafty, and uh, they they uh, they do uh, things in a manner, and they uh, draft people in uh, to help their organization. And many times, these people are afraid to talk because they, these guys operate with an air of fear, yeah. and they're afraid of them. They're violent uh, many times, and as a result of that, when we see rival factions having issues with each other, turf wars, and that type of thing, then we'll see these shootings, uh, these these homicides, and they're directly related to that. So, you know, it's a terrible cycle because, you know, your property crime's related to that, uh, certainly the addiction issues that people suffer from, and then you have the violent crime that's all associated and wrapped up with it too. So I feel like that, you know, we need to work on the source. And a lot of it, you know, believe it or not, you know, a lot of this, uh, this uh, opium production comes out of Afghanistan. And at one time there, they had mowed the fields over there. And I think at some point in time, we've got to take a look at this thing again and say, look, if I was a, a third world dictator and I wanted to overthrow a country, then one of the best ways that I could feel to Let's do get it. get everybody high. Absolutely. <laughs> incorporate, <laughs> oh you know, you, over a period of time and say, hey, look, let's destroy this infrastructure. Let's get out here and work on these folks. Let's uh, overload the health care system. Let's overload the jails. Uh, let's take and break this infrastructure, you know. And, I mean, Makes really, sense. a plan there, you know. But we've got to be smarter than that, and we gotta, we got to get on top of it. Let, let, me, let me ask you, and I don't know the answer to this, but what? tell the people what percent of your resources as sheriff, law enforcement, are going to drug-related crimes, drugs and drug-related crimes? Oh, I'm going to tell you, probably well over 80%, 80 85% of it, and uh, to be quite honest with you. And a large part, larger part of our expenses are incarceration and uh, that type of thing. And when we see folks come in the jail with chronic health conditions because of drug abuse, you cannot believe the amount of dollars that stack up. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, I guess, after, after break. All right, hey, let me tell you, Nicole is listening. She said... Sheriff Monette sounds so nice. <laughs> well, no, this is this is a really important discussion, and and you're if you're out there listening, you know, get involved in the discussion. You can email us citytalkandtalknewburn.net. You can call us at two five two six three three four two four three. But you know, this is the future of this this city and county are our young people, and if we don't get a hold of this. Um, we, you know, we, we're going to take a step back. I don't care how many economic development projects we have, how many malls we get, shopping centers, corporations come in here. If we can't get these young people off these drugs. So when we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, um, what we're going to do to help, help these kids and whatever. So one more cup of coffee and we're coming right back. Great discussion this morning. Yeah. Rather, what you say. I love that song, too. We are sitting here high atop the Omarks building, the penthouse, overlooking a winter wonderland. Yeah, well, not Before yet. Before I came it's in, the dog and I were rolling in the feet of snow out there doing snow angels. You lie, was, you lie, you lie. Oh, that wasn't this morning? No. It was in your dreamland. <laughs> All right, never mind. Once again. We're here talking with Sheriff Jerry Monette today. We're having today. a great day today. Great day today talking about um, a, a troubling issue. And as a... 
you know, coming at it from three different perspectives, but we all have the same thing. This Jer Sheriff Monette, law enforcement, been in law enforcement 31 years. Lee Bettis, criminal defense attorney, talking about the epidemic and how bad it is. Best defense is good offense. Sabrina is a civic leader and a, a businesswoman downtown. She is concerned about the epidemic. She was during the break. She was talking about the heroin, the the cheap heroin, um, and and she's hearing from kids that that's going on. And what what can we do for these kids? Say uh, to keep them off. And then if they realize they have a problem, or their parents realize they have a problem, before they get involved with law enforcement, what do we do? Yeah, I, I think that uh, one of the key things parents uh, right now, uh, it seems like a different generation that they want to respect the privacy of their of their young children. Or, you know, I say young children, but teenagers. And uh, But uh, you really have to be sneaky. And if you love your child and you care about them, you know, there's nothing wrong with you going in and, and checking dresser drawers and checking uh, the hiding places. And many times we'll get parents to call us and they find uh, contraband or, or uh, marijuana or something of that nature. But start early and stay on top of it. Check your social media uh, sites behind your kids and make sure, see where they're at and what's going on and what they're on to. And uh, because generally it starts out as something innocent and uh, usually starts, like I say, with pill diversion, then it goes on to other things. Now, uh, we see a lot of times people are, are just, I, I'll say, say it, just full-blown addicted uh, to uh, narcotics. And um, they have gotten to a point in their life where everything is spiraled down and they need help and they don't know where to turn a lot of times. Well, certainly our, our mental health facilities are overloaded. Uh, we see the strain on them. Uh, a few years back, you know, there has been there was a push to take go to uh, uh, basically local uh, mental health treatment, no uh, inpatient commitments. Uh, it was just money-saving issue, and so there are folks that need these longer-term care to take and overcome these addictions. But what I've seen has been the most successful is faith-based initiatives. And I believe that it takes uh, that, uh, a stronger power, a higher authority, to help people overcome addiction issues and problems that they have. And I have seen the success rate uh, and, uh, from these facilities that uh, are faith-based, uh, a strong belief in God, and, uh, and uh, uh, that presence there to carry them through. And uh, these rates are up in the upper 70 percentile. So uh, those that don't have it quite generally, there's a lot of recidivism, and they fall back. So that seems to be where the most success is at, and uh, that's uh, a recommendation that I pass out there to them to look for those uh, those sites and those places, those facilities that are faith-based and uh, instill the right values to help somebody overcome. Uh, there's a lot of success stories out there. I see them, and I, I meet them on the street, and people come up, and they thank me for the opportunity and, and, and how they were treated. And... You know, you have to help people. You can't just throw them away. And uh, even though sometimes uh, uh, people's patience wears thin and they want to get to that point, you got to you got to work. If you love somebody, you care about them. You got to keep working to take and get them well. Well, that is, uh, you know, uh, what she just said—the outrageous comment, outrageous that parents should actually get involved in their kids' life. And Snoop, kids have rights. Now, you know what? Yeah. No, you know let what? me take something. My kids try to tell me they have rights. Here, you have the right to give me your phone and let me Snoop through it. <laughs> you have the right this to go is, do your homework. Now, this is what the get deal involved. is. Our favorite saying with our kids when they were growing up is trust but verify. So, yeah, you right, know, right. and that was the whole deal. And it's not a, you know, it's not a democracy. It's the dictatorship. And that's Where did the it, way it Where is, did it come know? down to kids thinking it was a democracy? Well, you know, when, when I was younger, my parents, they, you know, I, I saw them talk to you. They talked to you like you were a baby, you know, and uh, it was a baby talk. But now we talk to our 
two and three year olds like adults, and guess what? They answer us like they start yes. answering us like they got Ooh, clarity. That's and, true. And so I think over a period of time, you know, the generational things change. You know, we start treating them like young adults, but really and truthfully, they don't have the maturity level that they need to overcome all the, all so the issues that are out there in the world. You hey, know, one so. of our listeners sent me something that was really interesting, and they said, you know, yes, it's good. You know, it's good to get help for your addiction, but that help is through medical insurance, and if you don't have medical insurance, you fall through the system. Absolutely. And so that may be, you know, they may have a child that's addicted or whatever and they need help and you need to be able to go to doctors and all of that, but you can't because if you don't have insurance or they won't see you, people shy away from getting yeah. that help. So we need these yeah, free I, clinics in other places. I, you know, you're right. I was in a dental chair a few years back and uh, one of the uh, ladies came in and told the dentist, says, uh, you know, this guy needs a, a root canal. And uh, so... They said, well, good, go ahead and schedule him an appointment, line him up. And, and so uh, she says, well, he doesn't have dental insurance. She goes, well, reschedule him for an extraction. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I thought to myself, wow, you know, and that's, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to dollars, and when you talk about treatment dollars, and uh, I think we need more of that. I, I tell you, you know, when somebody ends up in jail, and unfortunately that's not a, a always a good place for a sick person to be. And I say sick, I'm talking about people that have health care issues. And, uh, but that's unfortunately where they end up at, and we've seen a tremendous – deluge of uh, mental health issues, substance abuse issues, health issues coming to the jail. And when these type of things happen, I mean, it is thousands of dollars. So we've got uh, detention officers who not only have to do their regular jobs, but they also have to make sure that we keep a, a good close eye on people with health problems. A few years back, I had a young lady that was uh, in our facility and uh, sent her over to Walter Jones uh, Rehab Facility in Greenville, and she started having severe abdominal pains. And, you know... We sent her over to Pitt Memorial Hospital, and we were very concerned, you know, for health and welfare. And they get over and run a barrage of tests, and then they uh, realize that she's constipated. And so we got about a $9,000 bill on us taxpayers because of, of, of digestive issues. But what I say is people don't take care of themselves, and uh, when they don't eat right and they come into a jail facility and get uh, right. a proper meal, then they start having problems. So that's just an example of the things that, that, that go on there, you know what I mean? But we've got to – it costs money, but we've got to do what we got to do to take and help folks, and we just can't right. throw them away. Hey, right let, now, let me tell you, as a, as a graduate of Clark's Academy of Correctional <laughs> Information, you guys do a great job over there. You really do. You tr you try – and you really do do I a good job over there. I want to see your certificate. Do you get a certificate? He, was, he, he deserves one. He, yeah, he, he yeah. was a model. He, he, he was. The, you, I don't – I, I didn't even give I know, but you know, shop. Jerry, that's another story for another day because mm. I still, you know, somebody oh, stop, in, stop, in, stop, in, in Lee's case, I want to make sure it was really difficult to visit him. And so, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we need to change that process. But but tell me, can you point to right now, if if a parent has a problem, whatever, where can where can they go to seek help? Uh, you know, if they're, and a lot of people are embarrassed. They just don't yeah, even want to know that you know, oh my God, this, this is my child and this is what's happening to them. I don't want anybody to know. I can't believe that this has happened. But there must be somewhere they can turn to out there. And you're right. If it's through a church, are there a few churches out there that regularly do it? We can tell people about, is there a, you know, can they go to New Mental Health or, yes. you know, where, where can they go to, to get there, some There are help? a number of, of mental health facilities and, and, uh, Certainly, uh, yeah, so. absolutely, and, and they're helpful there. But you know what it does? It requires an evaluation, and so uh, they have to be examined. And generally, it's by a physician and also uh, a psychiatrist, right. you know, or psychologist. And, and then the, a determination is made. And many times, those determinations are outpatient commitments because they're cheaper. 
you right. know, it does it's cost more cost effective, and they have to have these follow up visits. So someone's got to be responsible to make sure that they make those follow up visits and stick right. with them, you know, that type of thing. But uh, you know, as I said, a person's patience can wear thin over a period of time when somebody continually lets you down and uh, I know. you know, over and then and they over don't again, have the you know, money to send them to a proper absolutely. rehab absolutely. for a long period of time, and they just they're putting band aids on it yeah. rather than yeah. and then fixing well, it. Well, for, uh. first thing is if if there's a parent out there listening and they say, hey, we don't have the money, we do have a loved one, we don't have the money. There's a wonderful place called First at Blue Ridge. It's up in it's up near Asheville. First at Blue Ridge, you you get into this program. I, anything less than a year, you're joking yourself. Yeah, you're kidding yeah, yourself. Yeah. And if you're right. not committed, First of Blue Ridge has actually a two-year program. And I watched uh, more than one hardened addict go go through that program. And they actually get them jobs. Yeah. While one of my guys now is working as a foreman for yeah. the city of, of, of Asheville, doing a great job. Uh, there's also the Black Mountain up there. Great program. A year program. Trosa yeah. has a, but you have to get into a year-long program, yep. and the person who's the person who is uh, is addicted has to has to commit to it. Those are three programs where you're not gonna, you don't need insurance. That's right. You you can go there and get it, and they are faith-based. Yes. You know, you, you're absolutely right. When you're sitting there and lonely, and I don't care what your faith is. I I happen to be a Christian, but if you have other views on the world, have a view of a higher power, whatever that may be. You cannot do it by yourself. That's right. We are. We were, we're God's children here. We're not Amen. God, yeah. and we can't do it without each other. And the embarrassment part that Sabrina's talking about, guess what? You, if you're out there, you're sitting in Taberna, you're sitting in Greenbrier, you're sitting in Riverbend, and you're saying, look, uh, we uh, sitting in Old Town going, I don't want the neighbors to know. I don't want the – the neighbors are going to know <laughs> yeah. because your kid's going to be breaking into their house, stealing their chains, stealing, <laughs> they're going to be stealing your guns. I've seen it a 100 times if I've seen it once. The neighbors are going to know. Talk about it now. Talk about it early. If you're if you're unsure about what's going on, if your kid's changing, uh, do something now before they have to come see me. Uh, like I said, as a as a defense attorney, by the time you see me, you, you're going to be embarrassed. By the time you see Sheriff Monette, you're going to be embarrassed. Yeah. This conversation is designed to say, don't let it get this far. That's right. right. That's right. And Hebron uh, Colony yeah. Ministries is another one uh, in, in the mountains, and I think there's also a facility in the South Carolina area for for women. But you're right. That's what it takes, and uh, you know we've got to be diligent about it, and we've got to stick to it. You know we've got to make sure that we do what we've got to do to make sure that our loved ones get through it. But I've learned over a period of time that the only true person that we have over, any influence over is our own self. Amen. You know, that's the only person that we have influence over. Now, we can we can encourage and we can do the things that we certainly need to do, but when it comes down to changing, people have to make that decision, that life-changing decision for themselves. And they're the only ones that can do it. And many times, you know, there's an old saying, you got to get knocked down before you look up. Well, when they get to that lowest point, that's when a person is committed and ready to turn things around and say, hey, look, I, I commit to whatever it takes. I'm, I'm tired of living like this. And thankfully, when they make that decision, then they're on the right track because then you can work with that person. There's a lot of times, you know, if you're mandatory made to do something other, it's, it's kind of hard to, to see a good results. But when a person is ready themselves, then they begin to change and, and work toward a better right. life. Also, too, one of our um, listeners, too, just uh, sent me, you can go to Narcotics Anonymous. It's na.org. Dot org. It's a 12-step program, and that, you know, yes. maybe faith, if faith, you faith just want to go yeah. online and you want to at least get some information and try to go that way, I mean, there there are programs out there, and, you know, we're going to put 
we'll put that information online here, some of the things we've mentioned. So mm-hmm. if you want to come to our website, which is talknewburn.net, we'll have that information on there. Of course, all our shows are archived, so you can listen to this show again. But, you know, this is important stuff we're talking well, about today. I, again, it's the future of our community. Absolutely. I can't say it enough. Absolutely. One of the things I want to talk about was prescription and over-prescribing. Look, if you're a doctor, you're listening out there, you're doing your job, you have your Hippocratic Oath, you know, you're, you don't want to do any harm as your prime directive. If you're a doctor and, you know, you're, you're – and I don't know exactly what it is, but I see a lot of people getting valid prescriptions. Understand that at the end of the day, there's a consequence for, for these medicines. I would say people need medicine, but it, whether you're a doctor or a patient, if you're a patient, say you have to ask yourself, do I truly want to go down this road? Right, and right. get all medical care that you need – but I was listening to the NPR yesterday. There's an there's an epidemic of over prescribing. Absolutely. Do you see that? You do, and and it's not necessarily one individual doctor. You know, no. what, what these folks do is they're they're pretty, as I said, pretty shrewd, and they will doctor shop, and they will. I mean, they will travel the state if it's necessary. It's called farming. Absolutely. And uh, so what we're we're able to do a couple of years back, the SBI, and they've made that a. Uh, capability available to law enforcement to be able to look at someone and see if a person, an individual, is overly uh, getting prescribed narcotic drugs. And that's how we, we catch a lot of these folks that are diverting. It's not necessarily one doctor overprescribing to an individual. It's one individual that's working through a number of doctors to take and secure these uh, drugs. And uh, the person that does it for profit, certainly they're, they're big-time drug dealers. Uh, a lot of times people are doing it for chronic pain care, and they can only get a certain amount of drugs, and so they want to do more and more and more. But uh, it's it's big business in some states. I, I mean, I saw, in, I think it was in Florida some time ago, some doctors had set up a, uh, a mobile home there on the roadside, and they were dispersing uh, narcotic drugs out of there. Of course, the feds came in, and they, they dropped down, swooped down on and got them, but not before, you know, thousands and thousands of probably appeals were, were put out into the, to the community. You know what would be interesting? It would be interesting if there are any doctors, people in the medical profession out there, to get to get your take, to to, to, to hear about you know, what's going on. Maybe there needs to be some roundtable discussions. Maybe we need to bring people from the medical field together. Because these doctors are just doing you know, what they the are trained to do. You know, the law enforcement, medical, mental health arena, and, you know, some local parents. And let's get this out there. Let's talk about it. Let's bring some force to it because that's the only way we're going to change Absolutely. What's going to happen here? And you know, maybe you and I need to put our uh, Lee, our, our voice behind this effort because again, I, I'm so bothered by our young people, you know, being crushed by this because well, they are enough, our future. It's hard enough, in and this I don't want to see another parent distressed like you said. Absolutely, you know, because that is the worst. They, it's they, heartbreaking. They, they come into my office. I had two of them yesterday, mm-hmm. and good people. But the the deal is, it's hard enough to raise a kid. It's hard enough to get a job in Craven County. We're living in the fourth most impoverished congressional district in the country, and now you've got legal troubles with the big F. Look, as much as I'm sitting here saying uh, supporting law enforcement to and supporting you know non-use of drugs. By the time you get to me, I will fight like a dog to keep the okay, F here's, off, your, here's off my, your record. Here's my now. challenge, yeah. Lee Bettis. Uh, Randy Foster, if you're listening today, let's get the Sun Journal, let's get City Talk, CTI, somebody who wants to come on board with, let's host and sponsor a forum about drugs in our community and let's Absolutely. bring all these partners together and let's get it out there and talk about it. Randy, if you're listening, call me. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll pull it together. I'm, I'm really pretty passionate about this right now. You've got me revved up. Sheriff. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring Sheriff Monette on here to, to start out with is 
People have well, the other this, reason is the poli- uh, city police chief is not allowed to come. Along. Well, aside from <laughs> oh, okay, aside aside from that, we need him. We need you. You have to see um, the law enforcement. Jer- Jerry off the air beforehand. He said my job it was to keep people out of jail. I don't want to see people in jail. I want to help, and that's what you have to understand about our our elected sheriff. He's not here as this bad guy who wants to be an ogre and throw people in jail. He wants. He's been here in this community working as a civic leader thirty one years. He he wants to help, so don't treat you know. Go to your law enforcement if you can. Treat them as friends. Absolutely. Uh, you know we've seen a, Congress just recently did a big cut on the Department of Justice's asset forfeiture program, and of course that program and you're familiar with it is a program where illegal proceeds from drug dealers are seized. You know when they buy the boats and the motorcycles and the new cars and suburbans and and real property, uh, and we go in and bust them for uh, like, you know those types of things. We can go in and seize those assets, and they they help us back to tell our drug enforcement. Those funds have been cut recently, and now we're going to need some help with that. But we can't imprison our way out of this thing. It's going to have to take a it's going to have to take a, a, a right. form, like you said. And, take and, us out, and, and look, and um, Dawn Baldwin Gibson, you're on, honey, because she's great. She wants to help on this and be involved. We'd love to have Peloton Ministries in there. We're going to be right back, so we'll come back with our wrap up. And we are back. This is City Talk Live with Lee and Sabrina coming to you from 94.1. WNBU. And we have had a really awesome awesome show today about our community, about the future of our community, our children, the drug epidemic. I have challenged everybody, and my my good friend Dawn Baldwin-Gibson has said she'll come on board. I'm challenging Randy Foster. I'm challenging, you know, the TV stations. Um, hopefully we can get the, the city police department with the sheriff's department. And let's come together. Let's have a forum. Let's talk about this terrible thing that's in our community and how we can come together as a community and we fight it. To. We have to get it. It shouldn't get us. So uh, my challenge is out there. I'm going to follow up on that. And you know, you know how I, I get when I Get on my soapbox. So, <laughs> hey, I, I wrote a I wrote a uh, letter to the editor I know, last and you week. know, I don't know that I was very happy about that. I know you weren't, but well, you know, I want to tell you something. It was true, every word of it was true. But you know, I just sometimes I think, what does it prove? Where where are we going to? Whatever. But I've had a lot of comments about it. You've had a lot of comments. But Here, I heard here's a letter. Got- here's a letter I got. True or false? Your letter only makes racism worse for Newburn. This is a dangerous game. What's wrong with you? Exclamation point. Now, here, true or false? But, talking, but let me tell you on, something. Did they my, sign their name no, to me? No, no, that no, is no. just, you know, true or false? Guts. Talking about the drug drug epidemic only makes it worse. What's wrong with me for talking about it? True or false? Talking about the the Holocaust in in Europe back in the in the uh, in when Hitler was killing Jews only made it worse. I understand well, your reticence is, to talk about racism, but talk always makes it better. Well, and and I think, but what we need to be focusing on is the lack of vision in our city, the lack of leadership in our city. When you have a mayor who is unenlightened and has time and time again made decisions based on race, whether to co-opt race or because he is a racist, well, in my opinion, you you have to get that out in the open so we don't have so was, that we don't have leadership like that. There's no vision because he was brought up under the old system. When I say brought under up under the, the old, old system, south. no, I'm talking about the old political system where you know you did whatever was necessary to get the black vote. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's been. Whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, that's the way it is. And but true or false, at talking this, about it makes it at worse. At this point, no, you know, I'm false. more. I want to be more engaged and how we move our community forward. I want to be more engaged in and opening a dialogue city talk about 
about how we move newborn forward. Uh-oh, she's what is the pl- at yeah? Me. What is the she's plan? What is the vision? Me. You know, that's to me what it's all about. And uh, you know, we've we've got to move forward. We've got we've got to make things happen and move forward. And there's a lot going on in our city. You know, we're we're spending three hundred thousand dollars to buy a building, right, wrong, or indifferent, when we have told the the fire department that not we're not going to build another fire station on the other side of town it doesn't make any sense it's you know it's it just, it, i know i i don't understand it i don't know if it's you know it is part of the bond issue it's not part of the bond issue not sure you know thankfully they got grants you know they're they're getting monies in there to create these amenities good but i want good public safety too i want this, good public safety the leadership style in newburn is not comprehensive it seems to be hey i got a barn you got a curtain let's put on a show and that's not the way it should be you have to have a long-term strategic plan not buying whatever you want on a whim you have to have an integrated plan for using our finances and so far we haven't seen that it's like hey let's go buy this but we don't want to buy a fire station come on come on Putting people at risk. I, you know, I, I totally agree. And these are things that And then we, gathering at a quorum last night, well, you know, that was just, completely against... Well, the, I would have rather seen our department heads, you know, being celebrated and, you know, saying the city purchasing and supporting the chamber, which they should, you know, I have no issue with that, and saying, here, department heads, you're the people they work with, or taking our elected officials and dispersing them in the tables, talking to the business people in this community who's talking to them. Where's the leadership? Again, I keep saying that word. It's important. We need it. And, and you know, they, they, these are issues we're going to have to talk about. But By the way, the, the young lady who wrote me this letter, true or false? Young, uh, how do you know it was uh, a young lady? Because of the writing. It's a woman's writing. Okay, uh, we have to go. We do. Um, look, everybody stay safe and warm. Are we out of here? No? Okay. Stay safe and warm. Be careful. I hope everybody has a good weekend. We're going to have more City Talk next week. And we'll see you on the sidewalks. We'll see you on Even the sidewalks. Even if sidewalk. they are slippery. Everybody have a great weekend.